You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Good evening, church. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for being here tonight. Can we please just come closer? Okay. Anybody excited to be at Exchange tonight? I know it's typically very chilled. We like our intimate and cozy conversations. We get to discuss, you know, break the word, unlike morning service where, but today's morning service for those who were around, I mean, we, we had a blast with Pastor Godman and the whole Unplugged Conversations. But please, can you help me celebrate and appreciate Minister Maranatha for leading us in that powerful session of worship. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for leading us so beautifully and so powerfully. God bless you. We pray that the oil upon your life will not run dry in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so this month we've been talking about set apart, set apart. Um, Toby led us in prayers earlier from our anchor scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 to 21. Is anybody there? And would you be kind to read, please? So while we're searching for that scripture, uh, if we have it up on display, that would be great. Multimedia. But 2 Timothy 2, 20 to 21, the New Living Translation if you have that, please. So this month, we've, we've, we've talked about the gift and the practice of righteousness. We've also, okay, great, somebody, it's up already. Can we have the NLT translation? Okay, awesome. Who'd, who'd read? Who'd love to read? Delacqua, you have the mic. Can you please read? Thank you. If you keep yourself pure. You'll be a special utensil. No, can we start from 20? Verse 20, please. Yes. Wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, You'll be a special utensil for the honorable use. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Awesome. Thank you very much for reading. So essentially, this entire month, we've been talking about being those special utensils, for want of a better way to describe them. Um, being set apart for God's use. For those who were in the morning service, Pastor Godman likened it to, you know, you have your parents who have this like special dishes for daddy in, in different homes. You know, you have the special dishes, special cutlery pieces, or even the ones that you use for your guests. You know, those, for those who are really, well, I was gonna say really old, but if you're old and you, you remember those times your parents would keep special dishes, your mom actually, in the cupboard, the locker, there's somewhere up that they store these things. And they, those things only come out maybe during Christmas or when you have like very important guests come visit and things like that. Yes. Um, when we're not supposed to be the everyday trash you use, we're supposed to be the utensils that are set apart um, that God uses for his own purpose and to accomplish his will here on earth. So that's what we've, we've, we've focused on this entire month. 
um, the gift and practice of righteousness. We spoke about soul detox. Uh, we spoke about practical ways to overcome addiction and bad behavior. Um, yeah, we spoke about tolerance trap last week and we've had an absolutely beautiful time just um, going through the scripture, seeing Jesus' model on how to live in a world that has become more accepting and tolerating of iniquity, of unrighteousness, of wickedness, as Bible describes it. So today we're, sort of, we're wrapping it all, we're wrapping it all and we're going to have time for conversations as well. But I want to discuss um, something very quickly called pressing into perfection. And the, if, well, let me explain it this way. Yeah. So God's ultimate purpose is for believers to become like Jesus in maturity, in character, and in competence. We would mature, we will develop in character, and we will become, we will develop in our competence. Yeah, you know, so spiritual competence is, um, we would manifest his life as he has given to us. These things are big on God's heart for us. Uh, today is Mothering Sunday. It's so happy Mother's Day to all the beautiful women in the room. Happy Mother's Day, ladies. Okay, men, help us wish them happy Mother's Day. <laughs> you all are super chilled, you know. Um, anyway, so... The way a mother will not, uh, so when you've had a child, yeah, for those who, who've, who have kids here, or you watched your parents give birth to your siblings or your nieces and nephews, when, when, when the mother gives birth to the, the little child, the little baby, everybody's excited, babies are the cutest, you know, but nobody prays, no mother, you as the uncle or auntie, you love the cuteness, uh, the, the cuteness and the adorability. I don't know that there's such a word, but just flow <laughs> of a baby. And so you say, oh, you don't want this baby to, go to, to grow. This baby should just remain like the mother in her heart is cussing you out. You know, because no, child, no mother wants their child to remain at that age, to remain a baby because they are cute. Every mother desires for their child to grow, right? Exactly. So, same way every mother wants their child to grow is the same way God wants us as his children to grow, to mature in the things of God, to mature in spiritual things. Paul would say, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I behaved like a child. I embraced childish ways. But when I became an adult, when I became a man, I put aside these childish things. That is what is called maturity. When you are a child, the only way you know how to behave is a child. Hence why you see when children start to behave like adults. You know, people say, this one is acting older than their age. And because it's not the norm that children would start to reason, um, you know, like adults uh, behave. You see a toddler and the toddler is telling you about, you know, the, the cost of diesel and, the reason, and, and how that you, should, you need to go and turn off the generator. Let's conserve diesel. Would you not be worried if a four-year-old child is speaking to you in that light, being very economically and, and streetwise and smart, you know? Children will behave like children. So Paul will say, when I mature, I need to put away childish things. I need to put away childish behavior. And so the conversation tonight is around maturity. 
It's around spiritual maturity because it is key to our ability to live this life of righteousness that we have been gifted. It is so critical. We've said a lot this entire month and we're just wrapping it up with this uh, conversation around spiritual maturity and growth. So Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 to 14 says, the New Living Translation, if we can have it up. It says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. This one thing, now if you're familiar, familiar with the scriptures, you will see somewhere else where this one thing is referenced again, you know, in the conversation that Jesus will have with Mary and Martha when he visits them. He would say to Martha, you will worry about too many things. You are troubled about too many things. But your sister has chosen just one thing, this one thing, and it will not be taken away from her. So I find that the one thing that we are encouraged to you know, chase after is that one thing that leads to growth and maturity. That one thing that leads to our development in spiritual matters. It is not about the things of the world. It is not about what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear, how intelligently sounding we want to be, what types of schools we want to attend, what kind of jobs we want to have, who will we marry, whose baby will we carry, and all of that. It is one thing. It is one thing. You know, Jesus would say, seek first the kingdom. Every other thing that we're striving after, every other thing that we're chasing after will be added. But it is this one thing. And that's what Paul is saying to us here in Philippians, that this one thing, I forget the things that are behind. I forget my past failures. I forget my past victories. I forget my childish ways. I forget the addictions. I forget the name calling. I forget the labels that I wore growing up. I forget the, you know, the, the, the lifestyle of sin and iniquity that I have lived. I forget all of these things. I forget my challenges. I forget the crowns, the, the glories, the past glories. And I press on. I press on towards this one thing, this mark, this mark of the higher calling is what I'm pressing on to. And so some of us we find in our generation and from the discussions we've been having over the last four weeks, we've all agreed that the world has gone left, yeah? Scripture says darkness covers the earth and gross darkness the people. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot that is contending for our attention for those of us that are children of light and we're expected to shine our light in a world of darkness. But some of us have lost the desire. We don't, we don't have that desire. There's that, that, that feeling of inertia when it concerns spiritual things or spiritual growth. I want to address that tonight. Sometimes it's a, as a result of a false sense of arrival, you know. Again, examples of that will be past victories and successes. Past victories and successes. Uh, and a, an example that comes to mind, and please feel free to share your own example with me, but an example that comes to mind would be, you know, maybe a Samson, for example. A Samson who thought, yes, dedicated to God, anointed brother, like nothing can go wrong. I have it, I have it all. You know, God is with me. 
God is not only with me, God is in me. So I'm empowered for that which I'm called. I'm not like you mere mortals. I imagine that that was the kind of chip that we, don't, we can be walking this earth together, but I'm of a different breed, you know. But he, he obviously leveraged his past victories, his past triumphs, and just thought nothing could go wrong. He forgot who he was. He forgot the boundaries of grace that surrounded his life. Another one is discouragement. It's a, it's, that's another reason why it faints, makes the heart weary. That's another translation. So let's talk about discouragement a bit. Because we have seen that it's a reason why people lose desire to strive for more, to attain to be, you know, to, to attain to that higher, that, that higher level in God, to desire spiritual growth. So what do you guys think? Does anybody have any discouragement story they want to share? I mean, I've, I've had a fair ton in, in my life, just walking with God. There's been ups and downs, different buzz you know. I don't know that I've had one that's significantly made me turn my back against God, but yes, in a moment. And I, I, let me share one that happened. Um, I don't know that it cost me not to desire spiritual growth. I think it just cost me slightly just for a bit, a teeny-weeny bit until I recalibrated, thank God, um, for support systems and thank God for the Holy Spirit that brought certain things to my remembrance. But it was when I lost my dad. So my dad was ill um, for just about five days prior to that time. I mean, it'd be, let, me, let me say in total, maybe two weeks. But as at the time I got involved, you know, because they had to transfer him from one hospital and then it was about that time they were transferring him. It was, something, it was supposed to be something mild. That was when they were informing me. Um, and then I got involved. So for like five days, I was doing all of that hospital runs. So you can imagine you get to the hospital and they say to you, oh, it's some drastic illness that might require you taking him abroad. Okay, what needs to be done now? Let's sustain, let's support him um, in preparation for that move. And that's what we spent the next five days doing, running up and down, trying to ensure that he was stabilized. And... I did what I knew to do. I mean, I'd been born again for a fairly decent number of years. I knew the scriptures. I knew that I could ask God for anything and that he will give it to me so that my joy will be full. I knew that I should declare the word. I knew that if I confessed with my mouth and I believe with my heart, I knew what, the, you know, I was a, I'm a word of faith child, you know. So I knew what to do. From all of the confessions, the declarations, I would anoint my father, I would declare the word, I would give him communion, I would worship and rejoice for, you know, just give God thanks for victory over the situation. And my father dies. And I'm at that point, I'm like, okay, God, what is going on here? Because I thought I didn't, he didn't need to have faith, I could have enough faith for him because I've seen it in the scripture, you know. And, but prior to that, something happened, I think it was a day or two before my father died. It was, it was a day before he died. I had, my mom and I had been taking shifts, so I would spend time with him in the hospital, and then my mom would take over and like that. So I did the night shift, and then I was supposed to go back in the morning. I mean, I came home in the morning, and I was supposed to go back with my mom. But I said to her to give me some time because I had not, um, at, this, at, at this point in time in my life, I was purely in consulting, um, running my own practice, 
and I needed to attend to clients whom I had not been able to respond to for about three or four days. So I told her that she should go ahead of me. I'll meet her up in the hospital. And as, about, as, a, as I was about to shower, um, just stepping into the bathroom, I heard a very clear voice. Now, I don't hear voices all the time. I know how God speaks to me. But this was a very distinct voice that I had to look around to be sure there wasn't anybody else in the, ba in, in the bathroom with me. And the question was, if God took your father away today, will God still be your God? Very clear question. And I responded also very clearly, audibly, because this was not my mind speaking to me. And I said, God, you will still be my God, but please don't test me. And I remember getting into that bathroom and just saying, God, don't test me. God, I just kept saying it over and over and over again. But it was like that, there was an air of finality with that conversation. Like in my spirit, it was as though it was settled that this was going to happen. Your father was going to die, you know. And I get to the hospital. In fact, I, don't get, I do not get to, I prepare to go to the hospital and I get a call from Pastor Godman to stop by, you know, and see him. And I'm like, this is a distraction. I need to. So he was like, oh, I need to talk to you because there's something we're working on. I said, I need to talk to you about this, this, that, yada, yada. We need to negotiate and all that. So I'm like, okay, I'll stop by. And then I get there. And then they summon all the other pastors. And then there's like people in front of me. And Pastor Godman's wife is crying. And Pastor Godman is describing how he felt when his mother died. And you know, all of this, I was just, I was, I was just looking at them. Like, I was so far removed from the situation. I was just looking at them. It didn't even hit me that they were trying to tell me that my father was dead until I was observed. Why is she crying? Like, why is Pastor Bola crying so, you know, intensely? And I said, my father is dead. My father is dead. I said like three times and I just screamed to Jesus. Now, I was quite unhappy. Let me be honest with you because I did an analysis. I'm a very analytical person. I did an analysis of that situation. I mean, a couple months later and I realized that part of why I wanted my father to not die because I'd taken so I'd taken a picture of him while he was on the sick bed there I had it on my phone and I was building my testimony you know I was building my testimony. I was going to do a before and an after picture I was so sure in my heart and I realized that part of it was I wanted to be able to proudly there was no way I would have shared the story that I would not have taken part of the glory let's not lie and this is me being real. There was no, I was, I, because I will be sharing the story, to, I'm telling you all that. I laid my hands on the sick, just like Jesus said, and he recovered. My father came back to life. I would have, it would have been tough not to share the glory. But that is not why God took my father. I mean, God is sovereign. He already had made his plans. It was time for my dad to go home. But that feeling of God, shake with all the things that we did and still, your will, <laughs> your will, we could not even bend the will. How about, you know, I could have done like Ezekiah and just collected like extra 10 years or 15 years for this man, you know? But God is God and He's sovereign and His will will be done always. But I have said that to just explain to you how I felt in that season. One of the feelings that came upon me was just this feeling of inadequacy. Like, God, did I not have enough faith to believe for this healing? Did I not? And I began to just question so many, like, what, God, what could I have done differently? 
Did I not pray enough? Did I not declare enough? Was my faith not? You, you know how Jesus would say to his disciples when the father brought his child to, him, to them and they couldn't cast out the demon. And he would say to them that this kind comes, cometh not by, you know, except by fasting and prayer. God, but I thought I fasted. Did I not fast? You know, did I, you know, I had all of these questions in my heart and the Holy Spirit took time to just educate me on the will of God and reminded me about that conversation that was had with me the day before my father died. You know, I was in a better place than a lot of my, my, than my siblings because, I mean, I had this conversation with God almost as though, in a way, trying to intimate me as his friend about what he was going to do, like Abraham. But notwithstanding, he still went ahead to do, to do it. I wish I, was, I could say to you guys today that, oh no, that changed. My father came back to life, you know. In fact, as at the time I saw him, when they told me he died and I went to see him and I told them to bring him out of the mushroom, I, I still put my hand on him because I just wasn't ready to let go. And this wasn't even trying to be full of faith or being uber spiritual. This was, my dad was precious to me and I just wasn't ready, to, ready for him to, to leave, you know. So we may have been hit with discouragement. For some people, it's a job loss. You believed God really strongly. In fact, you, you had a backing scripture. It was like you had a word about that job offer, and yet it didn't happen. So who else wants to share with us their discouragement story and how they came out of it? Yes, go ahead. All right. Good evening, church. Um, uh, literally, mine was not about our job. It's about knowing God, becoming a Christian. So I came to Lagos, and I came to Lagos. I wasn't the churchy type. So my parents usually don't worship in church. We just observe the Sabbath every Saturday. So I came to church um, firstly, and I thought, okay, this is different. But before then, I went to a particular church. I, I don't want to mention. So the whole thing there is totally different because there's discriminative measure, the fact that if you want to serve God in this department, you have to be a certain level, or for you to be in so so place, you have to be certain level. So that got me discouraged. So if I want to serve God, I have to be in this caliber, or I have to be this kind of person, I have to dress this way, or I have to dress that way. So that got me discouraged for a couple of months. Even when I just walk by and you want to preach to me, I will tell you, hell no, you can't do that. Or you want to tell me, she mentioned God, I would say, no, 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 don't go there. This is where they worship in church. So, but it's totally different here. So I, I think I've said it before. I came to the uh, fuel station, came to buy fuel. I saw the LifePoint Church, come into the church. And it was totally different here because for you to serve in one particular place, you don't have to be one particular breed or one particular setting place. So the discouragement I had was the fact that for you to serve God, you have to be one particular type of person. I got discouraged a lot because I thought that's the way every other church or every other way they do all over the place. They are serving God. You have to be one particular person. Or that. I really thought so, to serve God is not even my thing. It's not my way to serve God. And yes, it's different. If you can serve in one particular uh, unit, you can serve in another unit. So it's a totally different thing. I really got discouraged. I thought God was not pressing for me to just give out my worship or my praise to. But in that particular period, I first so discouraged. Like there was discouragement. You can't tell me anything about God. You can't even open a scripture for me that I want to accept. No way. But right now I can, yes, 
I can open, you can open the scripture to me because it's totally different thing. Yeah. So. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Somebody had their hand up here. Who wants to share their? Oh, I thought somebody had their hand up here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so, mine is pretty different. So, um, I was. I was seeing someone, but there was someone who I liked. Yeah, I know, right? So there was someone who I liked a couple, you know, like last year or something, two years ago, actually. And, you know, we started talking, oh, you know, hi, blah, 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 all that stuff. Oh, I really like you. Yeah, I like you too. You know, let's do things the Christian way. The whole Christianese agenda when it comes to relationships was really fun. And... Um, this was the agenda. <laughs> Thank you very much, Just so, give us quick tips. The whole, the whole Christianese thingy, right? Um, and so this was going on for maybe like, like six months. Backstory. At first I liked her, right? And I was point I was like, nah, I'm not doing this anymore. So I freed her. And then she came back and she was like, oh, I really like you. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe. So then we started this whole thing. And then, so obviously I was a lot more spiritual, spiritually aware. And she apparently was. So, you know, she would tell me, oh, you know, scriptures and this and that, the whole, you know, it was really fun. I thought that, okay, you know what, this is my last bus stop. I was ready for it. And then one day, I was trying to do a supportive boyfriend in, in, in training, you know, do your fast. fasting for you. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, we talk, we will fast with you. So I was like, oh yeah, we'll fast together. No okay. Allah. So then, when the fast finished, um, she came back. Mind you, this one who had told me, oh, you know, God spoke to her. She thought, okay, we're going to do this really well. We're going to end up together. So I was like, okay, fair enough. And she came back to me and she was like, oh, God said, it's not right for two of us to be together. <laughs> And I cannot lie, I was, I, was so, I was so confused because obviously I didn't have as much knowledge as I have now, but like then I was just so confused. I was like, God, there's no way I was on my own. This woman came back and was like, God said, I mean, I was like, oh God, maybe you said, because I really liked her. So I used to pray. I, sometimes I would mention her name. Oh God, ah, man, it was deep. And so I was so confused when that, all of that happened. And then... How did I come out of it? Obviously, I spoke to, she's laughing, but I spoke to her. <laughs> I spoke to a couple people about it, obviously, everyone. And then I think I just got to a point where it was just like, let God be trying every man a liar, right? For me, that was a scripture. I used to say that scripture. I wrote it down. I would look at it every day. Let God be trying every man a liar. So, you know, yeah, because she told me, oh, there was a couple of things wrong with me, all of that stuff. You know, you're not this, you're not that. God said this. God said... The things we have used God's name to do, Sha. Be like fraud and scam. Okay, thank you so much for sharing. Looks like we have one more here. Hi, good evening. I just want to share about an experience I had um, some years back. So I failed on exams. Um, In the course of the exam, I think we had five papers to write. And for each of those, um, for every day, we prepared for, you know, the papers. Because I was reading with some other people as well. Um, Something very interesting would then happen. I would fall into a trance. And I would see, I would see the questions word for word. I would see the answers. So seeing the answers was more like, um, so where the answers were if it was something I'd read, if it was in a particular page, like there would be a number or something. So it was very detailed. Um, there were six questions to answer for, to answer for. so sometimes I would see four questions. 
And out of the four questions, I would see either number one, um, I would see number three or something, but it was very, very precise every day. And I remember um, sharing all of this with the people who were studying along with me. Um, I would go into the exam hall, would write. The first day, I didn't share the first day, because I mean, but when I got into the exam hall and it was word for word, you know, and I actually went back. So when I woke up, I don't know if I woke up, I came out of it, I don't know, but yeah. When I came out of it and I opened, I opened the textbook, the page, it was what I saw. So that's how I prepared for the exams. Um, the first day went well. The second day, the same thing happened. So I then shared with people who studied with me. And some of them made fun, but yeah. Um, on the exam day, they noticed it was the exact same thing. But what it was for me was that God was very particular about the questions I was supposed to answer. So sometimes I would see the six questions, but he would say to me, this is what you're answering. And he then, you know, um, the results came out and I, I passed. No, I failed. But every other person in that room passed. In fact, they didn't just pass. Some had first class. So help, wait, I don't know if you guys are, are able to hear Caleb well. So you saw the questions and the answers in yes. a trance. So essentially it was revealed to you. Yes. You shared with people, and you are the one that ended up failing. I failed. Okay, then. That's deep. I, <laughs> Very deep. And I did not understand it. I, it blew me off completely. Um, because the interesting thing was, um, in the course of the exams, when people started seeing, we were six of us that were studying together, on, by the third day, when people who were reading with me, were studying with me, so, ah, <laughs> from six, we get like 20 in that room, because news spread fast. Ah, Caleb is saying stuff. And interesting, I didn't even know these people. See ya. Um, but yeah, like I said, I failed. And I was very confused. I was hurt. Um, I didn't stay long in my disappointment. How I, did you come out of it? So I remember having a conversation with God, and he said to me, I will still be God. It was very, it didn't make any sense, but he just said to me, um, you can be annoyed and be vexed with me, but I will still be God. Um, will you trust me to the journey? And I'm like, what journey are you talking about? But for me, I think that was like the snap for me to um, get out of it. Thank you very much for sharing, Caleb. Okay, we have one more. But let me just make a quick comment there. So for, if again, I find that sometimes our personality types um, come to play, our temperaments come to play in how we engage with God, um, especially when you're just starting out on the journey. So you find if you're a choleric person, if you're logical, if you're analytical, it almost shapes how you interpret and engage with your, uh, the encounters of God or the experiences of God that you have, it influences it somewhat, you know. Um, I don't know how many of us have read the book Spirit Controlled Temperament. You, you find that the more you, of God that you know, the more of his person that you are embracing, the more like him you become. So your, your, your personalities, your temperaments don't come to play as much. And I say that because this story he gave, if it was me some years back, me and God would be, in fact, yeah, when I first got born, we would still be on the, we would be on the matter because I am logical and I'm an idea. So why did you show me if at the end of the day, I'm still going to fail? I need to understand. 
you know, I, I've, I've learned in my work with God not to, to just be, to get to that place where I'm content with just his peace over a particular situation. Eventually, you know, light shines on the matter. But because of the kind of person I am, I'm choleric, I'm melancholic. I want to know, and I want to know now. And so he, we will be on the matter. So I'm just, your temperament is like, you just accepted. God just said, I will still be God. I know you will be God. You, if, I will still be with you on the matter. Can we, let's check what's going on here. Did I hear wrong? Did I, I didn't see wrong, obviously. Was I not supposed to have shared? Was I, you know? Anyway, Ruby, please share. Um, good evening, everyone. Pastor, I think you started the prelude to my um, to my disappointment because it's pretty much a similar personality type. So I was deeply disappointed when my mom passed, and it's not because she passed. That was different. I mean, yeah, loss, grief, um, anger. But she passed in 2014 in April, and then in 2013, just as I was crossing into the new year, I had a feeling that she was going to pass. I just knew. And then so I journal. So I, I actually still have the journal where I said, God, please. I didn't even, I didn't even just say my parents, my mom. I said both my parents. Like, in case you, you know, I'm not praying wide enough, just the two, please, just make sure that nothing happens to them. And I was really close to my mom. Like proper call eight times a day, best friends type close. So she said she'll call me back like a few hours before she passed. And then I was just sitting in uni in the hallway with my best friend then. And then I just sat up and I was like, ha, huh, I don't know what I'm going to do if my mom passes. And it was literally around that, it was that same time that she passed. I literally felt, I felt her spirit leave. So I was very angry, like with God for a very long time. Cause I'm like, you told me. I, well, I, well, I didn't feel like he told me, but I felt like I knew enough or I sensed enough that this was going to happen. And then I prayed. But then, and then I blamed, <laughs> I blamed Hillsong's Oceans at the time because I'm like, I was singing that at the same time. That was like what I was singing into 2014. So you know that part where it says, Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. I'm like, I'm not singing that song again with you because clearly you didn't hear me well. You heard this one. Then when I'm now saying, lead me where my trust is without borders, that's why you now decided that it's my mom you want to be using to do this thing. So I was very, <laughs> so I mean, I can laugh about it now. It's been eight years, but it was definitely not funny at the time. I was very, very deeply disappointed, especially because my mom was one of those people. She was like the nucleus of not just my own person, my nuclear family, but then my extended family. So the fabric of everything that I thought was family scattered. So it was wild. I don't even know how, you know how, again, another song, how you can say, yeah, literally standing here because God made a way. So yeah, that, that was a very, very difficult thing to deal with because then I'm like, so God, why can I trust? I can't trust you because then I'm asking you for things. I'm, I'm even praying the one that you basically you're wanting me to pray for and things are still happening. So why did I even pray? So that was my own disappointment. Yeah. So how did you come out of it? Hmm. I, ironically, when I found out that she had passed, it was another song. So there's also singing and music in my testimonies. Um, it was William McDowell's Withholding Nothing that I played. And I remember getting very mad at that song as well. But then I think it was just me realizing again that either way, sink or swim is still the same God. And I was still very angry and very, very disappointed. So there was a lot of logicalizing for a couple of years. I wasn't, I was like, yes, okay, yeah, God, it's okay. But you see this thing, I'm going to do it the way 
I can see it because I clearly can't leave things in your hands because God knows what you're going to do with it. I'm telling God. But anyway, it was, it, it took a little bit of time, but it got to a point where God started to show his hand very mightily, even in the chaos that was happening after my mom passed. And it started to make things pretty clear and, you know, provide and give structure. So I learned to, you know, trust his voice again and then just come to terms with the fact that, okay, you give, you take away, blessed be the name of the God. That Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that's a very, I find it to be a very violent Bible verse, but it was something that I began to realize that, okay, that's, that's just who you are. So, yeah. It took time, though. It wasn't like pastokileb. Yeah. It took me a good two years. So, yeah. That's my disappointment. Amazing. Okay, we have one more from Dami. Okay. I know I saw your hand. Okay. Let's do Dami and then we'll do Love It. Okay. So, um, I think mine happened last year. And it was, um, it was concerning my master's. So, I'd given up, not that I'd given up on this master's journey, but it was just really, you know, stressing me out because I had a you know, I had a plan. So I usually have, you know, I used to be a planner, you know. I have my, I had this, you know, really, really tight plans. And typically, my plans used to pan, pan out as planned. Because I believed that God and I were planning together. And it was like that for a very long time. But... I knew when, you know, that dynamics, you know, when it changed, but that's still back. But last year, it was like, you know, I felt that it was time to, you know, pick up this, you know, master's, you know, journey again. And I was just sitting on my own. That was what annoyed me because I'd already left this thing that, okay, we are leaving it for later. So I ate it when it's not me that went to look for trouble and then, you brought this thing my way. So it really annoys me because I'm like, it's like you wasted my time. I don't like when people waste my time. So that particular day, I went to, we, I think we had power issues and then um, it was raining so heavily. So I went to a particular restaurant. I just woke up, you know, and you know, I heard the restaurant's name just go there. And I went to the restaurant, I you know, sat down there and then okay, start researching for your master's, right? And then, you know, I started looking at courses. I discussed with a friend, and it was getting interesting because I felt like that was what God was leading me to at that time. And then I was looking up schools. You know, it was becoming very interesting. And then I found this course that I really loved. I sent them a message and everything. And then right there, right there, and then the restaurant, you know, the course advisor called me. You know, so excited. I'm like, ah, what we want, you know, and all. I was like, ah, is it as easy as this, God? Where you? I was still a little bit skeptical that this thing is too easy, you know. But the journey started, and then I applied and everything. I know that I was really dragging on it because it was like I was not even ready. It was extra stress for me, so I didn't really put my mind to it until the deadline for application you know, was, you know, looming. And then I was like, so how would I get, my reference letters were not complete. And then I was just 
I had, okay, just call your course advisor. No, no, not my course advisor, my, um, my university project supervisor. And then I called her. It was even this woman that was following up to say, oh, damn it, I've sent it. Because I was just very lax about it, but she took it very personally. She was like, oh, damn it, I sent it to the email. Have you confirmed that they got it? I'm like, uh-uh, this woman, calm down. So because of all that, it was as if, no, the universe was, you know, fighting to ensure that I get enrolled for this master's. So I decided to want it to. And then, you know, the course advisor was also following up. And then I had, you know, this bursary allowance of over 2,000 pounds. And they were just like, ah, God, this is how it is. When you are just aligning things, ah, okay. Then I started getting excited about it, that, oh my God, this is happening. And then I got the admission. I got the bursary allowance. I said, ah, this God is sweet. <laughs> and then, okay, so trying to, you know, enroll for classes and all, it was now time to pay my acceptance fee. I think it was about 250 pounds or so. I was like, okay, so how would this happen? I didn't have the money at the time. And then that day, I was just, you know, there, like, how will I pay this 250 pounds? Then I had met somebody when I traveled um, last year. I went on a journey, expedition. And then so he just chatted me up out of the blues that, oh, Dami, how are you, and blah, blah, blah. And he's in his final year in school. And I was like, oh, how is your project going, and all that, and I was like, ah, you know, I know a bit, you know, of his story and all. And then he was sharing about the fact that, oh, that's his final year project. They don't have money and blah, blah, blah to do it. And I said, how much is this money? <laughs> when I said how much, I said, God, don't try me. I'm looking for 250 pounds. Let's not do that. It's not funny. But I asked him how much. And then when he told me the price, it was... By the time I calculated, I just, I think I just got him paid that day. By the time I calculated my bills and everything, that was the money that I had. I said, God, what are you saying? I need 250 pounds. Where would that come from? And then I was like, send me your account number. <laughs> yeah. And then I sent the money. The guy was crying. His mother was crying. They were calling me in the middle. I'm like, people should not cry. I need my 250 pounds for my acceptance fee. Don't cry. Just tell God to provide it because, you know, and then, you know, that happened. I was like, okay, God, whether you pay this acceptance fee or not, I mean, we have made somebody's life better, so that's fine. And then, the last day I was supposed to pay my acceptance fee, one of my friends just, you know, showed up in my house. And then, we paid the acceptance fee. Right? The 250 pounds. I was just like, ah, God, this is how you are. It has not finished the disappointment. Wait for it. <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. And then, you know, I got enrolled for classes and everything. And, you know, it felt like everything was happening. I ha still had my bursary allowance, although the school fees was like over 10,000 pounds. So that was just 2,000 pounds out of it. And then all of a sudden, you know, um, the course advisor was like, oh, that's, oh, they can't give me the bursary allowance just once like that. They're going to have to spread it. I'm like, spread what? I don't understand what you guys are saying, you know, and all. But the long and short was that I still had to, like, pay some, you know, 
like over like 1,000 pounds, you know, after enrollment and all. Like there was a way that they spread it out and all that. But I could begin classes and I start, then I started classes and everything. And then I got a call, you know, to finish my application, finish my enrollment. And then I went, I was like, I can't finish my enrollment now because I've not even paid this first installment. So you people should leave me alone already. My mind was already off it. And then when I got the call and the email, I was just like, okay, let me just go. This is what's stressing me. And then I went to the portal. And then when I got to the finance aspect, I saw that my fees had been cleared. So I was just like, ah, ah, God, you did this. I already wrote my testimony. How I was going to share it because I think the previous week, I think the Sunday to that day, PG came and gave a word. And I was already dancing. I was like, oh my God, this is my word. I shared, I had typed down my testimony. You know, I was so excited because I slept and woke up and went to check again. And he said that my fees were cleared. I even called my mother. Oh my God, she was so excited. I didn't tell her about the, you know, the seed sowing because she will, I don't know what she would do. Maybe she would pass out. So I was so excited. Everybody was excited. I was just like, it was very unreal because I'm like, God, is this how you are? I was so excited that ah, it was very unbelievable. With my testimony, I was getting ready to share it. And then the next week, I, called, I got a call from the course advisor that, oh, Dami, so we are still waiting for your first list. So I said, sorry. This is a wrong number. What are you talking about? I saw that my fees were cleared, and he started telling me, you know, stories that, oh, you know, we just wanted you to start classes. I started classes for two months. I'm like, what kind of rough place that I'm in Nigeria? Don't do that. Don't be telling me that you want us to. And I said, oh, so you thought, yes. I said, are you not a Christian? I have faith in God. I don't know my fees were cleared and all that. But that was, you know, it was just a very dramatic period because I'm like, God, so what's the meaning of all this? Why are you toying with my feelings and emotions? I do not want this thing. You brought everything. Everybody was chasing me about. And when I now wanted it, ah. anyway, it was a very, you know, like a very trying and painful period. I can't even read that testimony now again because I'm just like, you know. But, you know, what helped me through that period was the fact that, I mean, I'm over it now, right? But it was just, you know, God's, I think it's a lesson that I'm still trying to, you know, really grasp and lay hold of what God is trying to teach me. Maybe it made me, maybe it was trying to just make me know that, okay, this thing is still going to happen and I needed to go for it or something. I mean, I don't know. but. I was able to let it go with his help, but I was really angry and it was very painful. This is the first time I'm even talking about it to anybody, right? <laughs> but yes, I'm so Thank sorry for, that my story was so long. Thank God um, that you're here, because this, I'm just hearing the concluding part of this story. I knew the, up, up until the fact that we cleared the bills miraculously. I just want, kept wondering, why have we not started this master? Why have we not grasp? Let me know. When I ask, give me one roundabout answer. So, thank you for unveiling the answer tonight. <laughs> so, you, have, you are healing. That's why you are sharing now. Love it. Please go ahead. Okay, so I have like two different instances. The first one is similar to Caleb's story. 
I think I didn't go into any trance or anything, but I had studied for this particular exam. I won't forget finance. I had I had studied for it. I was even teaching people. The, it was an afternoon paper. That morning, I was teaching people. Like I taught, I taught people, and then I got into the exam hall, and I was blank. Like I didn't even know how the table looked like. I was supposed to draw a table. I didn't even know how the table looked like. I didn't know how many rows. I didn't know how many columns. I was blank, entirely blank. I started crying. That was the first time I cried during an exam. I was crying because, what's going on? The people that I thought were smiling. What's, what's wrong with me? Why, why am I crying? Why, like, what's going on? Like, I had prayed. I had, I had just become a Christian then, but I had prayed about it. I had studied also. So why, why can't I remember anything? Like, I was, I was blank, blank, blank. Well, anyways, I, I started answering other questions that I wasn't even sure of still. I didn't fail, but the fact that I was blank was very, very, I felt really disappointed. I felt really betrayed. Because, like, I mean, they say pray to the Holy, tell the Holy Spirit to help you now. Tell him to give you retentive memory. I did all of that. So what's going on? So it was it was really really disappointing for me and I was I, I felt so bad. I, after the exam, I called my mom to cry. I was crying. So she was the one that actually um, encouraged me and all. So that was how I was able to get over get that. Over to get past that. And then the second one, I had I had come I had gone home for um, for break, yeah, for the semester break, and everything was fine. Everything was good. My dad was not saying that. Ah, that people are that they are owing him money. I said, like, okay, no problem. We'll put it in prayers now. You know, so it was time for school to resume. There was no money to pay my school fees. I said, ah, ah, what was going on? First week passed. Second week passed. First month passed. Second month passed. Third month passed. And I was like, God, what's going on? Was and I'm 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 a planner. If you ask me, I have plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E. I have, I have everything. If this doesn't work out, I can easily move to the next thing. So I have everything planned. So I, I, knew, what, I knew how my life was, was to be planned. I had already planned everything out. And then all of a sudden, I'm not going to school for one year. Like, how? How do I, how do I, how do I incorporate the plans for the year into what I'm going through now? Like, so, I, so that means I have to push everything. It was, it was so difficult for me, to, for me to accept. It was literally the most difficult thing. I, had, I became numb. Like, I became numb towards God. I became numb towards things of God. So I would just go to church because I was at home. And I would just go to church. Not that I was really, I wasn't interested or anything. So I just, I was just numb. Spent a lot of my days crying. And my mom would be like, Lovita, are you okay? She was so sad because I wasn't okay and she could see that I wasn't okay. So it was a lot of me just being alone in my room, locking my door, not talking to anybody, not eating. I was just, it was a very, very tough place to be in. And then months passed and I realized that God was teaching me to trust him. To trust him with my plans, to trust him with, with everything. So... So now, even when I make plans, there's just this space that is open. Like, okay, well, I've made my plan too, but whatever God wants is fine, and I can accept it now. Then I couldn't, I couldn't even accept it. I was like, God, what's going on? Like, I, I'm, I go to church. I, I study the word. 
I pray. I do this, I do that, I do, I do all the things you ask me. To. So what's going on? Why, why am I at home? It was a very, very tough situation for me to be in. But the fact that God started, or the Holy Spirit started explaining to me that he, he just, he's teaching me something. And I had to go through that phase. I, now I'm grateful I went through that, that phase. But as I said, I didn't, I didn't it's with all From all the stories that we've listened to, the word trust keeps popping out. Yeah, I don't know how many of you observed that. You know, when, you're to, when, when, when you are thinking through your discouragement, and I'm, I need to speak to somebody in the room who's currently in that phase where you are disappointed, grossly disappointed. I don't know what the details are. But you, have, you are only accepting to check the box. God, I just want to be right with you. I'm not asking for more. I don't want to... I don't want to be a spiritual juggernaut. Let me just be okay with you. That's the box I've checked because where I am right now, I'm not desiring to know more. The little that I have known, I've not, I'm not quite the better for it. Why? Because things have not gone the way um, I had hoped that they would. You know, you've said to do this, do that. I've done everything and yet it looks like I'm not getting the desired results. You know, how do we put the whole... For the thoughts that I have towards you are thoughts of good and not evil. You know, to give you a hope and a future. To bring you to that victorious expected end. How do you put that side by side with these discouragement or disappointment stories that we've just shared? How, do you, how does one come back from such an episode? How do you, in the midst of the event, still believe that God's thoughts for me are good thoughts. God's plans for my life are great plans. And he's working these plans out according to the counsel of his will. Not my will, but his be done, just like Jesus said. And it's a very, it's a, it's a tricky situation. Um, I'm reminded of the story of Abraham. Are we together, everyone? Awesome. I'm reminded of the story of Abraham, and there's no way you think, I mean, Abraham, father of faith and all that, you look at him and you're like, what was this guy's, I don't know if anybody has been able to research, but like, what, what was it about, has anybody found information about Abraham beyond what we have in the Bible, you know, found information that speaks to maybe his upbringing, like what made him the kind of man of faith that he was, you know, how he trusted God so almost blindly, in fact, blindly actually, you know, how he followed God blindly. Part of what gets me, aside from the fact that he would leave, his, leave, leave a known land to an unknown land, is the sacrifice that he was required to make of Isaac. There is a way we read that story and we can just in our minds, because we have, we've already read it, so we know what happened at the end. We don't understand or appreciate the import of that story. Let me paint a picture to you. This is a man who had waited 25 years, yeah, to him. This is your child that I have finally given to you after I've promised you in the last 25 years. Take him and go and offer him up as a sacrifice. Now, there's a way you might look at it and say, oh, God has said to him, he will make him a father. What did father of many nations mean to a man that did not have a child? What did it mean to him? The one that you can see, and just like Dami said, she had already received the school fees that has been cleared by faith. What you can see and you've held on to, 
He's not saying to you, the plans that I have for you are bigger and deeper. Go and offer this one up as a sacrifice for me. And yet he would go. There was no promise of a, a reward per se that he was going to have to himself. What does father of many nations mean? Think about it. If somebody says to you, if I say to you now, Daniel, I'm going to give you a million bucks. You, you, in your mind, you can already utilize that one million naira. Do you understand? You already know uh, in terms of the value of that one million. You can feel. When God said to Abraham, I'll make you a father of many nations. In his own situation as at that time, what did that mean to him? And how was that enough for him to hold on to say, okay, God, I trust you. This one that you have given me, I'll go and offer him up as a That story is very deep, oh, guys. Very, very deep. For a man that had not, and then he had a wife, they've been wanting this child, finally get the child. And it wasn't because there was an Ishmael, just in case he thought in his mind, let me offer him. Mm -mm. Isaac was, this, was the child of promise. He was the son of promise. So it was not the same at all. I imagine that with every step Abraham took as they went to that mountain, Mount Horeb, it would have been with a lot of pain and anguish. I don't know that he went, let's do this. <laughs> if he did that, then I really salute him. But I doubt that that was what he did as at that time. And so when we talk about discouragement as one of the reasons why people do not desire spiritual growth anymore, you know, because they've seen maybe series of disappointments. I know someone was speaking to me last week and was just telling me how it's just from one disappointment to another, from, you know, all around. And in my life, I, I had to say to the person, can you please do me an assignment, yeah? Go and think about in this last X number of years that you've described to me. Please find me the joy moments in your journey because I'm sure there are. But what we do oftentimes is that we're fixated on the things that haven't worked, the things that have caused us pain, the things that we have lost, and we fail to see the moments where God actually comes through and where he works. Okay, so aside from a false sense of arrival and discouragement, we have acceptance of status quo. You know that whole God understands phrase is why what has kept a number of people from desiring spiritual growth. Because we excuse, we're very quick to excuse and say, oh, God understands us, I have a new job now. God understands that I just got married. God understands that I just started this, this business. God understands that I've just gotten, I've just had this baby and it's taking my time. God understands, God understands, and eventually we start to eat a decline and we're still God understanding away. We keep excusing bad behavior under God understands. Then the lack of hunger. You know, loving religion but not God, where we are just checking boxes, showing up in church, showing up at small groups, just doing, putting up an outward appearance, you know, kind of like the scripture we read earlier this morning um, about uh, denying, um, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. It, there's a lot of form of godliness that exists, religion that exists in our generation, where how it is that you just ch check a box are you a Christian, a Muslim, or a, a traditionalist? We just a Christian. That's how a lot of us are riding the wave, you know. Um, so Galatians 4.19 says, My little children for whom I labor in birth until Christ is formed in you. Until Christ is formed in you. That is the goal. That is the goal for you and I. That Christ be formed in us. So this call to maturity, you know, to character development, to building this lifestyle of competence where spiritual things are concerned, it is until Christ be formed. That's the goal. That's the agenda. And so we will not stop. 
or we should not stop until Christ be formed in us. So what does that mean? Because again, we try to break these things down so that it doesn't sound very Christianese. When Paul would pray and say, until Christ be formed in you, what does that mean? What does Christ-likeness look like? Four things very quickly. Or why Christ-likeness? It says, the more Christ-like you are, the more God can do through you. The less Christ-like you are, the more the devil can use you. God's wisdom and power makes you unstoppable in your pursuit of purpose. And somebody did speak to the wisdom of God um, while sharing. The world experiences God through you. That's why you need to be Christ-like. The world experiences God through you. And you rise above the influence of sin and you help others do the same. What Christ-likeness looks like essentially is just you being like Jesus, being a little Jesus here on earth in your space, being Jesus-like, being Christ-like. You know, it's really, really important. So, as we wrap, as, as we wrap up tonight, uh, and then we just pray quickly. Um, let me read very quickly Ephesians 4, the Amplified, Trans, Amplified Classic Translation. Verses 12 to 14. It says, if his intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, the church. Verse 13, that it might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith and in the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God. That, now this is where we pay attention to, that we might arrive at really mature manhood, the completeness of personality, which is nothing like, nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection. The measure of the stature of the fullness of the Christ and the completeness found in him. So it's the measure of stature and also completeness. So um, in Luke, he was testified of Jesus that he grew in wisdom, he grew in stature. And what's the third thing he grew in? Favor. He grew in favor with God and with man. So Jesus, you see, the first Adam did not grow because he was created man. He was not birthed. But Jesus grew in wisdom, he grew in favor, he grew in stature. And God expects us to grow. Please let me tell the person sitting beside you, God expects you to grow. God needs you to grow. God needs you to grow. It's so important. We need to grow. We need to, we, we need to put away the childish behavior, put away the childish things, and embrace maturity in totality. Okay, so three principles. One um, three principles of maturity and growth seen in Jesus. One is discipline. Jesus was diligent and disciplined. And Jesus is such a perfect example. We can go on and on, but we don't have time. But here are a few things to see from the life of Jesus. When it came to issue, matters of discipline, he set, us, he set aside time, dedicated time, when he communed with his father. Let me read just a few of such it says, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. This is John 5, 17. Uh, then verse 19 there says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. He was focused. A lot of us are very indisciplined in our generation, and you all would agree with that, right? We are dealing with a lot of indisciplined issues when it comes to our walk with God, when it comes to our consecration, some of the questions we have, we're like children that they're trying to collect candy from and we're throwing tantrums. 
you know, and, and the call tonight is you, just wrapping everything about being set apart. Is look for, for you to become that choice vessel, you need to put away childish behavior. You need to embrace maturity. You need to embrace, embrace spiritual disciplines. Some of us right now, I mean, maybe not in the room, but some of us, you know, we have to collectively own this shade. We still are trying to debate whether it is religious to have a dedicated time to pray or not. I don't want to be religious. In a bid to not be religious, we are not consistent. We're not disciplined with spiritual matters. When do you pray? When do you study the Bible? When do you, some of us, the, the time we have dedicated to social media consumption, vis-a-vis -vis the time to study God's word, the time to, you know, um, pray, the time to, even if you just listen to messages, just build your spirit, man. We're not as deliberate, but we're very deliberate about every other thing in our lives. We're not, we're not as deliberate about carving out this time. But Jesus here knew what he was about. So if you know what you are about on this journey, if you know that you indeed and truly you want to be that choice vessel God uses, then you have to make out time for him. So if I, I'm sure if I ask um, Minister Maranatha here how many hours she, re, she, she practices, you know, she has such a strong, powerful voice, but how many hours she, she does like all her vocal, she trains her vocal cords and all. Me, that I'm a, I'm a bathroom singer. We cannot compare. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So it's the same thing. So you want to know God more, but you're not ready to give the time towards knowing him. How do you know him? By reading his word, by communing with him, by sitting at his feet, by praying, by studying scriptures. Because we know we need to give practical tips on how these things get done. So how often do you pray is the question. How often do you pray the word? How often do you understand the truth of the word that you even study? Are we just trying to check a book um, to get streaks on you version? Because that's what some of us do now. And it's great. It's okay to start from somewhere. Don't get me wrong. It's okay to start from a place of duty. See, guess what, guys? You start with duty for whoever is in the room here and is desiring, you know, to improve their walk with God. You start from duty. It is a duty. They have said, God wants me to read my Bible. So I've set an alarm. I read my Bible every day at 5 a.m. for 30 minutes. Start from duty. Eventually, guess what happens? It would morph into desire. Duty will give way to desire. And your desire would be, gosh, you know the way I, I, I feel like I've not, if, I've, if I've not had breakfast, I'm hungry and shaking. That's how you, the word of God starts to feel to you. You know, when you start to desire that, man, I, something feels empty. I, I feel empty. Something feels incomplete because I've not, I've not fed my spirit today. That's what happens when you get to the place of desire and passion. But it's okay to start from the place of duty first. So let's not belittle or disdain, oh, I don't want to be religious. You know, I don't want to just, I, ju I just don't want to be religious. Because we say a lot of things in our generation that is just bad behavior. Sorry. But that's what it is. Consistency. So after discipline, consistency, sticking to the plan, very important. We've just spoken about that. Jesus would say, um, or it was recorded of Jesus in Luke 4, 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. As his custom was. What is custom? Habits now, Abby. As was his usual practice. So Jesus would go to church. For those of us that are doing, I don't want to be churchy. Jesus was going to church. A church that in that day and age was synagogue, was temple. 
as his custom was. Look at another thing again. It says in Luke 22, verses 39 to 40. It says, coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed. Guys, let's not get... This was divinity in humanity. And yet, he was consistent in his practice of spiritual disciplines. As he was accustomed to... So, Mount Olives was where the, he had the whole, you know, transfiguration experience. But it was as he was accustomed, which means he used to go there be prior to that day, just in case you read that scripture and you think Jesus just entered that place for the first time and that was why he had that experience. No, as he was accustomed to. So he would take out time to go and pray. Scripture will say that he would wake before day, I mean before it was done, to spend time in prayer with his father. If Jesus needed to pray, how much more you and I? If he needed to pray, if he needed to read the, to read the scrolls, how much more you and I? Then the last one, obedience. Jesus was obedient to his earthly parents. He was obedient to the laws of the land. And then he was obedient to God. Let's pray. As we wrap up. And I just want us to... It's a, it's a prayer of... It's a prayer for sustained hunger. Because that's what we need in our generation. Sustained hunger. And I know that I should probably give somebody an opportunity to ask a question. But we will wrap up and then I'll stay back. I'll still be here to ask or answer, sorry, to answer questions. But we're praying for sustained hunger. To continually press into this state of perfection. My little children for whom I labor for whom I travail until Christ is formed in you. So would you go ahead and declare tonight, Father, grant me the grace to consistently be hungry for your presence. Grant me grace to remain hungry for you. I want to be thirsty for you. As the deer pants for the waters, so my soul longs after you. That is what the psalmist will say. Lord, I need your hunger and your thirst to remain in me in this generation, in this world, I don't want to get to that place where I'm full, full of the wrong things. Where I'm full of self, full of pride, full of lust, full of everything that the enemy is using to blindfold people, to veil the hearts of people in this generation. I want to be hungry for you. I want to desire you on a daily basis, with every waking moment, Lord. Let me feel incomplete when I have not spoken to you. Let me feel incomplete when I have not studied your word. Let, it, let, let, there be, let me have that feeling of, of something missing when I've not heard your voice. I've not heard an, an instruction from you that I will not run ahead of you. I pray for grace. Grace for sustained hunger in the name of the Lord Jesus. Would you go ahead and declare that? Go ahead and declare that. That this one thing is what I keep after. This one thing, forsaking the things that are behind. Father, if there be any pride in me, if I have gloried in the, in, in, in the successes and the victories of the past, if I have gloried in what I have known, the experiences, the revelations uh, that I've had of you, if I have gloried in these things and they, they have become a, a blind spot, in my walk with you, they have prevented me from entering into new realms and of, of revelation and glory. Lord, tonight I repent in the name of Jesus. And I ask, Father, for more of you. More of you with childlike faith, Lord, tonight we ask. Would you pour into us afresh, Holy Spirit, 
Pour into us afresh. Well, we, we don't want the manner of yesterday. We don't want the word of yesterday. We don't want just the revelation of yesterday, of yesteryears. And for that person who the, 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 the biggest experience of God that you've had has been in your university days, would you declare tonight, Lord, I'm experiencing you more and more. I'm growing roots, deeper roots in you, in the name of Jesus, and I am bearing fruit on the outward. I'm bearing fruit upward in the name of the Lord Jesus. I ask for more. I ask for more of you in me, more of your spirit, more of your anointing, more of your word in the name of Jesus. Would you go ahead and pray and put off every limiting conduct traceable to the old man and declare that you are putting on the new man who is disciplined, consistent with doing right and is obedient in the name of Jesus. And we're just making that declaration from the scripture in Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. So say, just say, I put off every limiting conduct traceable to my old man, to the flesh, to my sinful nature. And I put on the new man that is disciplined, that is consistent with doing right and is obedient to the things of God in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you. We give you praise for tonight. Thank you because you would continue your work in us, making us willing and able to please you. Grant us grace to continually live for you in a world that is filled with darkness. Our world needs you. Our world needs your light. And we commit ourselves, Lord, as your vessels, vessels unto honor. We ask, Lord, that you will shine through us in the name of Jesus, that you would equip us with everything that we need. Lord, you know where we're struggling. You know where we are ailing. You know where we are hurting. So tonight we ask that you do your work in us, Holy Spirit, and make us fit for the master's use. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Thank you amen. for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.